0: This is the Orthodontic Products Podcast on the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Allison Werner, Chief Editor of Orthodontic Products. In this podcast sponsored by Dental Monitoring, I'm talking with Dr. Blake Davis, an orthodontist in private practice in Washington State, where he has two offices. We're going to talk about remote monitoring and the role it plays in practice growth and how it fits into the digital workflow of today's orthodontic practice. Dr. Davis, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Well, so let's get started. Can you tell me a bit about your practice and how long have you been practicing now?
1: Sure. So about three years ago, I became a fully digital practice. Uh, That was obviously a big decision, a purposeful decision, intentional decision that was made and something that really changed the way that patients experience treatment now in my practice and the way my team experiences taking care of them. I started a practice in 2014 So we're getting close to 10 years here as an orthodontist, but I started my own practice right around five, six years ago. And that was really, again, something that I I felt like was necessary for me I had a vision of how I wanted patients to experience care, and a big part of that was technology. And I'm lucky; I'm in an area, frankly, where there's all these tech giants, and people love technology, so I have the right audience. Right? There was not much pushback in terms of pushing forward and kind of pushing the envelope and trailblazing uh, with yeah. what we were doing. But when I made the decision to both do aligners and braces in a customized fashion with digital design and a digital workflow, that really felt like a big leap and so it was then leveraging all that with dental monitoring with remote monitoring that allowed me to create what i've now created today which is a practice where we don't see nearly as many patients in the day Uh, Mm -hmm. our team has not grown in over four years in terms of numbers
0: Um, but our
1: practice has Seen huge growth in terms of production and starts, uh, as well as volume. And so it's been a really fun ride. I love this conversation because it changed my life and my family's life forever. And um, something I'm really, really happy to share and talk about.
0: Okay. So when you were starting that digital practice five years ago, and that's we're going to talk about when you um, implemented dental monitoring, which is only about three years ago. So when you started out five years ago, what did being a digital practice actually mean? in practice? What, what were those steps?
1: Yeah, I mean, as you know, at that time, we didn't have all the options with treatment that we do today, right? And so at that time, that meant that rather than taking, you know, the goopy mold impressions, alginates, we were scanning, that meant that all records had to be digital. That meant that as I was digitally designing their care and creating digital blueprints, we then had to execute that in the chair in a different way that was based on efficiency and reducing the number of visits. And so I kind of came to this conclusion when I was looking for spaces in my area and all the spaces that I could find were under 2000 square feet. So the space that I started in was actually under 1200 square feet, if you can believe that. So I came out with lasers, I designed the space myself, and turned this four-chair practice into something that had to be modeled for a digital workflow, because that was the only way we were going to survive and grow. And so, you know, some of it was intentional, some of it was because I was forced to, in terms of the space that I had. And so, I really kept pushing and talking to friends in terms of finding a better way with fixed appliances, like brackets as well. And it wasn't until I used a system like Lightforce that I really was freed up to have the exact same digital workflow, whether it was braces or invisalign, and then leveraging dental monitoring was really that next big step that like you said about three years ago that allowed me to just grow and exponentially grow and change my capacity uh, for my practice.
0: Okay. And so when you implemented dental monitoring, and you actually implemented it in the later part of 2020. So, you know, just a reminder, in case our listeners forgot, (laughs) the pandemic started around March. And you know, we had closures. For orthodontic offices for you know about a month and a half there, you actually didn't implement it till later that year. So I'm curious, what was that experience? What were you? How were you managing patients before you had implemented dental monitoring? And how did you know that that was the moment that you really needed to make that step and implement it?
1: You know, I got to a point where I just needed the AI. Uh, mm-hmm. I was using a remote monitoring system. We had created an app. Um, for our practice, for patients to scan in. Uh, That really helped us as our clinic was shut down during the pandemic. But it wasn't good enough. You know, when I had the free time during the pandemic to see my virtual patients go through the virtual scans, it worked. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had the time. You know, once we came out of the pandemic, people were eager to get back into care and continue the care that they already started. And so really that meant I had to rely on something other than just myself reviewing all these photos and reviewing these scans. And the only way I could do that was with using the AI that had been created with, you know, dental monitoring. And so for me, that that threshold number was about 50 patients, 60 patients. That we were remotely monitoring. Um, today, we're close to a thousand patients that we're monitoring um, okay. in terms of the volume. And so, you know, I just realized I couldn't do it without having these systems set up in a way in which I didn't have to be present or micromanaging the system all the time. And so, that was really the point that I just realized I had to. I had no choice. Uh, we were growing mm-hmm. at a rate in which um, it wasn't possible for me to continue just, you know, looking in on all the checks even after hiring somebody, I still couldn't do it. Or, Mm. you know, assigning somebody as an assistant to do that. So we just got too busy. And and that was a good thing, right? That's a good problem to have. And and something that just kind of forced us to keep pushing in the direction of monitoring both aligners and braces in our practice.
0: Okay. And so when you started with dental monitoring, were you using it for both modalities, aligners and brackets? And were you, did you start with a small group and then expand out? Or did you go all in?
1: So I was given some sages advice from a few people who are already using dental monitoring and so we went all in and I would recommend to, to everyone who's thinking about it that that's the only way you can really use it um, because when you look at practices it's all about your model. Right. And you have to understand your model. So my model might be different from someone else's model in some Mm -hmm. other part of the country. Right. Um, My space is different. My rent is different. My fixed cost, And if and that's a big issue is you have to understand the real big fixed costs in your practice and your model overhead is your staff wages and benefits Mm -hmm. and then the rent that you pay. Right. And so that structure looks different in different areas. And so we have very inflated costs here where I live. Um, We're outside of Seattle in Kirkland and Redmond and these are some of the most you know, affluent areas of our entire country. And uh-huh. so I'm not in a situation where I can have 20 employees in my practice, and that doesn't really make sense, right? So it was really critical that in order to continue to grow, but maintain a fixed cost structure that made sense for me, that we just continue to do everything with remote monitoring.
0: Okay. So when you you've talked about how you needed this to grow, what are you looking at to... What data are you points are you looking at to tell if a product like that or actually how do you what data points are you looking at to make to know that Delta Monitoring is helping you grow or facilitating that growth?
1: Sure. So I think there's uh, a few ways to look at this. And the three that I would bring up are number one, your value per visit, because I think once you start to look at practice, look at your practice model in terms of the value that each visit brings, you're going to totally change the way you think about taking care of your patients and redesign all your systems or processes for taking, you know, for your for care, essentially. The second one, which is a common one that we talk about, is the amount of revenue that you generate per employee. Right for full time employee, I think that's important because as you look at that, you understand that you need to keep increasing that number, especially right now. And to do that, you need to keep empowering your team in a way in which you kind of turn the people who are the stars and the superstars, and then the average players into to stars or really quality teammates. And that's what things like dental monitoring do or digital design do because it takes away a lot of the guesswork or some of these um almost now antiquated skills that a lot of our clinicians had for years and years in which they were so well trained and they probably could have diagnosed and treated like a lot of us docs um but now we don't have people or employees coming in where they're going to stay for 25 30 years routinely right i feel like a long-term employee in our practice these days is three to five years and so um you know we have to be looking at what kind of revenue we're generating per employee and it has to increase and then lastly, and the obvious one is starts, right? That's your production. And I think that's just an easy consumable and digestible metric because it allows you to look at, okay, how many starts am I generating per month, per location, you know, per doctor, however it breaks down in each person's practice. So the way I really look at it with dental monitoring is I've basically added one employee to my practice and that's dental monitoring. It's like a, my AI employee. And that's about what I pay a year for it is like the amount I would pay for an employee, but it allows me to increase my practice capacity such that I get about three to four more digital chairs in a day. So that's three to four less clinicians or assistants that I have. And then on top of that, it allows us to manage the inflow Or the influx of new patients in a way in which i don't have to hire a second tc so with my numbers you would assume that we'd have to have two tcs we actually just have one who is a full-time tc so really when i break it down we're adding one ai employee as opposed to hiring about five or six physical employees
0: related to that you know that staffing question um you mentioned before you were using dental monitoring to kind of manage the patients that you did have especially during that pandemic period you had an employee who was helping you what kind of staff do you have? How does how do you manage dental monitoring and you know the 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 um the data you're getting from patients? How do you manage that amongst your staff? Do you have a dedicated person? How much time are you spending? How does that break down for you?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And a common one I hear when talking around the country is, you know, what did we have to do to reorganize? And because that, right. that is what we did. So I have a dental monitoring coordinator. That was critical. As I said, I kind of hit a threshold number. And at that point, I needed someone else. And so I was really lucky. Uh, Someone who I was friends with, who had 15, 20 years of assisting experience, wanted to be part of this, but she wanted to work remotely. So this Ah. was the perfect opportunity for her to, you know, continue pursuing her passions outside of dentistry or orthodontics, but still be part of something she loves. So that's really a nice balance. So she is a part-time employee, um, but she is able to monitor and manage, like I said, nearly a thousand patients that were monitoring uh, through dental monitoring. Right. I also reorganized so that we have a digital workflow coordinator and she is a total superstar. Uh, really both of my, these two people, my dental marketing coordinator and digital workflow coordinator are just amazing, very, very smart people and have helped me build out all these systems because in order to see enough patients in the way that we're seeing them, you have to have wonderful systems and things that allow people to flow through treatment properly. And so okay. we built out all these workflows um, that really allow us to take my digital design or customized appliances and execute. And so, um, you know, that that was really, really critical for us was to turn these employees that were doing something else into something that we needed now as a digital practice.
0: Okay. And then in terms of the patient journey, how, what has been most significant to you or what has been most impactful to you in seeing how patients interact throughout treatment with dental monitoring?
1: You know, I think it would seemed, or at least felt so obvious when we first started this because here we were coming out of the pandemic, we were already using some sort of remote monitoring in our practice. So patients were used to it, but people accepted it so easily because they were like, yes, I don't want to come in so many times or because of health reasons or safety concerns, they didn't want to come physically into the office. So I think people accepted it very quickly, very readily. Here in the last year or so, people are feeling like they are back to normal for the most part, right? And so, I think with that said, people are getting busier again, and they understand that you know all these activities after school, after work, or directly related to work, you know, are allowing now more freedom in their treatment process if they're using something like remote monitoring. So, you know, I, I would say that we do have patients, and I I wouldn't lie to anyone about this. We do have patients usually. These are patients over 75 um, who decide to not use dental monitoring, but the okay. majority of our patients consistently use it and use it well okay. and rely on it because what they understand is because we have this great dental monitoring coordinator who gives them great feedback, does videos, encourages them along the way. We have this wonderful system in place that really allows them to see their progress It actually has helped them to reduce the amount of time they're in treatment, come in for fewer appointments and get outcomes now that they're thrilled about. I have a a number of friends who are dentists in the area who texted me and they're like, I can't believe you didn't show me this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And they're like, my patient showing me how their teeth are getting aligned and straightened on this app on their phone. I was like, oh, yeah, that's dental monitoring. And they're like, this is amazing. I can't stop watching this. Like it almost creates this sense of obsession. Like, wow, I can't believe this is happening for me, you know, the way I wanted it to. And in a way in which I don't have to come in every four weeks to see orthodontist. So many of our patients are coming in between 12 to 24 weeks at a time, um, whether that's braces or Invisalign. And so okay. um, we have many patients who um, aren't easy, straightforward, class one crowding care where they're getting treated out in you know, 13, 14 months and they came in five times total. Okay. And, and that for them is value because they're busy yeah. people with very important jobs. In my area, most of the time, both parents work um, and are employed. The dual-income houses, right? And so the parents are really, really busy. Whether that means you know for their own treatment or that means for their children, so they understand the value here. It, it, at least in my area, you know, time is money, and right. they would much prefer to optimize treatment in terms of time.
0: So going back to kind of the the business aspect of implementing this, how are you measuring your ROI or return on investment with dental monitoring?
1: in terms of at least my best metric as i said before i'm really looking at the value per visit so i have a number and this is this was not from any consultant or from anyone else and um you know for those that have heard me talk about this before it's the same number it's 500 Dollars per visit is what I use as a benchmark in my practice. So the reason that matters is because if we ever get close to that number or drop below that, I have to reverse engineer how we're going through the process of taking care of patients. For instance, more recently, we recognized that based on the, the kind of model that we've created in which I really only wanna see about 60 patients in a day. Um, we wanna get you know a certain number of starts in a day and in a week and in a month. Uh, it meant that we had to kind of modify our schedule again. And that meant that we had to start eliminating some more check appointments. So when I first started dental monitoring, I took out almost all check appointments. So think of like an elastic check or a bike check yeah. or an aligner check. Right. Wipe those out. That was that took my my schedule from you know 80 plus down to 60 right away. And um, in terms of what we're seeing now, I've had to go back and eliminate a few more checks. And that has meant that we are now designing everything in a customized fashion and using, you know, product that allows us to eliminate about two appointments for some of our appliances. And that has helped us get back down to the number that we want and also the value per visit that I want. Because the way I run that number is I wipe out all the exams and then I count every other visit. And that includes all observation, all recall, retainer checks, everything. Because we wanna be incentivized to do things as efficiently as possible, whether that's in a recall program or in retention. And then I take my production, right? What we're, what we're doing. And I, I, I divide out the number of visits. And so that's where we get that 500 plus. And that's, what's really critical. And I think if people really started to look at this number and started to say, okay, how, how, if I'm below that, how do I create a situation in my practice or design a model that actually allows me to achieve that? It would change everything that they do. They would work fewer days. They would see fewer patients. They would earn more in terms of their, their revenue and bottom line. And I think they'd actually have happier patients and happier, happier team members, because these are all things that are not just based on money. They're based on quality of life too. And that's what's really critical. I know a lot of people that want to, you know, it's about spending more time with your family. That is one great way you can use that time. A lot of people are saying, hey, I now have the capacity to see double the number of patients because of this. So, you know, those are the different ways you can look at this and what's right for one person might not be right for another.
0: Well, my next question was going to be, you know, I was curious, do you believe your greatest ROI is quantitative or, or qualitative? And you kind of talked about that there
1: for me it's absolutely qualitative um Mm -hmm. my kids are at an age where um i want to be part of their day-to-day part of their lives um I want to be present, you know, with my wife and she owns her own business too. And, you know, we couldn't do any of these things if we weren't a team. So um, me staying, you know, late all the time or, you know, seeing a hundred plus patients in a day and being so exhausted that I don't even want to talk to my kids isn't an option. Um, And I know, and I've talked to a lot of, a lot of orthodontists who feel that way. They're just so burnt out, so exhausted. There was this initial high coming back from the pandemic and people were excited to get back in. And we saw this unprecedented growth in 2021 in a lot of practices. And that was because people were so liquid, right? Right. They hadn't gone on four or five vacations like they normally do. So they had the money to spend. So that, that parent who'd been thinking about it now was ready to do Invisalign or do a clear liner uh, treatment plan. And um, I, I think what's happened, though, is you're seeing a lot of people now all of a sudden we're back to more of a normal reality in terms of our day to day. And people yeah. are just total burnout. And, um, you know, that can mean many things for many different orthodontists. That might mean that they are going to retire earlier. That might mean they want to now join a group. That might mean they just are feeling done or they want to fewer days. But if we don't change, we're not going to improve our lives. And so, yeah, for me, it's definitely qualitative because it's improving my life and um, my family's life. Okay.
0: Um, You talked a little bit about this already, about how dental monitoring has impacted patient access to care. But I'm curious, how has it impacted your organic referrals and your acceptance of treatment?
1: You know, I don't know if I have um, any kind of metrics that would allow me to objectively give you an answer to that. Yeah, My feeling is that, you know, the best way to market in any community is word of mouth. And the best way to market is to have that stamp of approval from those around you. And when, you know, not just one parent on the team, but two parents or three or four say, hey, this is where you should take your child, or this is where you should go, I think that is what builds the value. And so um, from that standpoint, we do get a lot of feedback that, you know, the way we're doing it is different. And for that reason, people want to come see us. And so, um, you know, I I don't know, again, I don't have an objective way to give you kind of an answer to that. But I will say that subjectively speaking, it's really about just building value in the community. And I think people really believe that, hey, if you're valuing our time, you're prioritizing the patient over, you know, just metrics in your practice and decisions are being made that way, I think they understand and they see it, and they see the passion that we have to help them to achieve their goals as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's that plus everything else that we do that has really allowed us to grow that way,
0: so you talked a little bit about how you can tell you talked about that five hundred dollars threshold. um, but I'm curious was there a specific threshold when you started after you started using dental monitoring where you um started seeing and realizing the roi that you really wanted to see was there a moment or was a point in time where you realized that
1: i would say it was probably about nine to twelve months into using dental monitoring
0: okay
1: because and and this sounds kind of kind of silly because a lot of people say that after three months they see their their schedule clearing up a little bit as you've got an Uh appointment on demand you start to recognize that uh two three weeks out your schedule's pretty light and then of course it's filling up as you go Uh but that happened for us probably you know within the first six months but what totally changed was that as we started to open up our schedule we started to open up more opportunity to get people going and get people started and so we started almost in terms of just kind of this leap or this Big jump, and and everyone who's been in practice and pays attention to numbers has looked at their starts and said, "Hey, like it's it looks like it's an ex- exponential you know increase right now, um, and then all of a sudden we're plateauing, or we hit our saturation, right? And right. then all of a sudden you hit another leap, right? And so what happened was we really jumped." At that point. And, you know, we jumped about 150%. And it was to the point where it had freed me up so much more to focus on all these other things that I needed to be looking at that it just really turned into a rocket ship. And that was the moment that, um, at least I felt like we were starting to see the real benefit or the real return on our investment. Because, you know, from the beginning, I felt like, again, like I said, I'd hired another employee, it was just an AI employee. Um, But now at this point, we were actually getting the return. And so So we really took a jump
0: yeah you're at this point you're about two plus years in you're not quite at three um what do you think the lesson is what's the lesson you take away with that 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 those two years of experience under your belt with this kind of technology?
1: Yeah, we touched on one of them earlier. Uh, that being that you have to deep dive, you have to go all in. Um, there's no substitute for that. Otherwise you won't change your model and it's just a fun way to look at patients. Okay. Um, number two, I would recommend doing it with aligners and with your fixed appliances. And I would continue that beyond just braces. I would do that for um, appliances like expanders. I would do that for appliances that you feel like you can adequately assess and have enough oversight to take care of your patients properly. And once you start to do that, then you can start to build out more systems. And I don't think we're there yet with dental monitoring yet, but like your recall system. And you can actually start to market within dental monitoring to those kind of patients, right? right. The same thing can be said on the back end with retainers, if that's a goal in your practice to increase or drive more retainer volume. You know, and everyone's everyone's goals for their practice are a little bit different. But the biggest thing of all of this that I would say, Alice is that uh-huh. you change your schedule. So a lot of people, I think, start to deep dive, but they don't change the way they actually care for their patients. So what I mean by that is don't continue to see your patients with braces every eight weeks. Go 16 or do it on demand. Mm-hmm. Do- Create systems with the way you do your aligner setups so that you strategically see them for one, two, or three appointments, and then otherwise, they're just scanning, Yeah. right? So I think what happens is people get locked into doing things in the ways they've traditionally done it for years and years, and that's Mm -hmm. just what they know. But you actually have to go back and rethink the whole system itself. And so if you do not invest the time and energy to kind of remodel your systems, it won't work. So I think that's where, and I was, we were at the AAO a few weeks ago, and uh, I was talking to a number of docs about this. And I think what might be a little bit misleading is if you just plug in with dental monitoring, that it's not going to, you can't snap your fingers and start passing them out and start scanning patients and assume it's going to solve your problem problems for what you want. You actually have to do a lot of the work as well to Mm -hmm. reorganize your entire practice, maybe trim a little fat along the way, and also redo your scheduling and your workflows and your treatment plans.
0: I want to go back. Um, You mentioned the fact that the reason you switched to, you went to dental monitoring because it had the AI component. I'm curious to get your view on like, you know, the role of AI in orthodontics and, you know, where do you, where is it taken you as an orthodontist and where do you think it's taking the profession?
1: This is a great question. This is a global question right now, isn't it? (laughs) Not just for orthodontists. Um, you know, let let me phrase it this way. I was talking to one of the residents when we were in Chicago and they were very concerned about the fact that AI was going to take our place. And I told him, I said, don't be worried. I said, the way we set up cases with aligners, that clearly is not something that AI has solved or algorithms have solved. We still need the doctor to diagnose and so much of it is dependent on diagnosis. I think in terms of monitoring, it's the same thing we still need to intervene and to evaluate. And you'd asked this question earlier. I don't even know if I had actually directly answered it, but Mm -hmm. I still get involved with my dental monitoring coordinator throughout the week because there still has to be doctor oversight, right? Right. As an orthodontist, we are decision makers and we have to be quick with our decisions, but we still have to be the ones in charge that know what is the right decision, right? And so there is no substitute for the doctor, but there is a way to help AI support what we're doing. And I think as this continues to grow and we get more and more data, I think what we're going to find is that a lot of these things that were unknowns before, like for instance, biologically, when should you bring back your patient with braces? Like in residency, you were probably trained that was every six to eight weeks, or maybe right. even four weeks, depending on which program you were in. But well, who's to say it shouldn't be 24 weeks, you have one wire the entire time. You know what I mean? So I think these are yeah. this, these are the data points. And I think this is what's so special about dental monitoring is I look at it like an education piece too, is that we're actually getting more and more information. And of course they've they've uh, revealed insights and all that great right. stuff. That's yeah. helped me to actually change attachment design, change staging and sequencing. And all this information is actually Making us better orthodontists. The other thing that I would say that has been lost in the last, you know, five, ten years is that a lot of the studies coming out of universities aren't being funded the same way. And so um we aren't getting the data, the information, or the evidence, you might call it, that we need to make the right decisions in our practice. So there's all these artifacts that exist in orthodontics because that anecdotally was what some older orthodontists said we should do, right? Right. But there's no real evidence. When you have a sample size of 20, how's that really helping you make a decision? Right. So when we have thousands and thousands and thousands of case examples that show you what's happening, how this is playing out biologically, what's the right thing for this patient, I think we're going to get it so much better. So if I was to answer your question most directly, I would say, I think it's going to make us a lot better as doctors. And I think it's going to trim a lot of fat in our practices. And you're going to see people totally simplify the way that they actually move teeth. And um, I think that's what's going to probably change the most is we're going to get so much smarter about the way we take care of patients.
0: You you already mentioned what was going to be my next question. It's the 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 insights now that you can get with um, dental monitoring inside. What has been? You talked a little bit about attachments there. What what have you taken from your data? What is there anything that you've acted upon because of the data you've gathered about your own patients, your own practice over the last two years?
1: Yep. So, um, first thing first is attachment design, um, particularly with my maxillary lateral incisors my okay. upper twos, as well as some of the posterior attachments and, and the way we're using those. Uh, staging, that is really critical in terms mm-hmm. of the way I've designed um, our aligner sequencing. In terms of brackets, uh, we're disclosing almost all patients now uh, okay. to the point where we're getting more freedom for tooth movement. In terms of the way in which we see patients with braces, our intervals have become customized. So it's not, hey, every eight weeks we see a bat. It's dependent right. on where they're at in treatment with which wire and what we need to accomplish. Uh, so these are all things that have, have changed a lot for what we do. Okay. It's also meant for me, as I've looked at all these cases, and I'm even monitoring patients in elastics, like take a class two patient, and you're seeing class two cases treat out when they wear their elastics properly. And then you study what actually happened and you find that it, that actually wasn't that much different than some of these class two correctors um, that we are using and kind of complicating our treatment plans with. Okay. And so I've even changed things that way. So again, I've really simplified the other thing that's happened is we've used customized appliances, is we can control teeth so much better with so like you know fewer side effects along the way, that you also recognize that you can do things very differently. So again, it's just simplifying the process so much more um, in terms of putting a lot more effort in on the front end with digital design and then simplifying mm-hmm. the treatment process and then changing all these little things or systems along the way to uh, to tweak and make them better. So I'd say there's probably at least five or six things that have directly come out of Insights uh, that I've changed.
0: Well, we need to wrap it up shortly. But I wanted to ask you, kind of taking you know a global view of this and of the digital orthodontic practice, you know, most pra- we'll say most practices today are using probably intraoral imaging. Um, what do you say to practices that need to take the next step, that are reluctant to go further with a digital practice? How does a digital practice really impact or can really change, grow, or accelerate their practice?
1: Yeah, you know, one of my favorite lines in our practice is what's best for the patient is best for the practice. And really all decisions that I've ever made since I started my practice have been based upon that. And so I think people have to understand what's best for the patient. And what's best for the patient is not to come in every four weeks. It's not to see the orthodontist 20 times during a routine treatment. It's actually to have lighter forces on the teeth, go longer in between appointments, to dial in better outcomes because you're digitally designing everything. And frankly, that is the case when you start to digital design is you become a better orthodontist that way. And then to actually be able to have a better culture or better feel and environment in your own space. And so for those people that are on the fence right now, I think I would just ask them, hey, like, are you seeing too many patients per day to the point where you feel like you don't get a chance to actually talk to them and sit down at the chair and engage with the family that's there? You feel like it's been a long time since you grew. Do you feel like at this point, you're either fluctuating between you know, growth, or actually maybe even declining in terms of your production? And if so, are you finding yourself constantly grasping at straws with new marketing ploys, you know, trying to build new relationships that might not be there when really all you need to do is just take better care of your patients to grow. And so um, I think, you know, the pandemic was that strategic inflection point they talk about in business. And for those that actually decided to invest in technology and modify their practice, so they increased their lab bill but decreased what they're paying in terms of staff wages, they're going to grow and they're going to explode. I think that the practices that continue to do the things the same way are going to come become the dinosaurs where they might actually go out of business. Um, I don't think you can continue to do things the same way. You know, take glasses. You're wearing them right now. I am too. We can see each other on the screen. You yeah. know, we want options. I, I, I don't want just two different options. I, I want to be able to customize the way I look. I want to customize what I wear. Look at sneakers now. You know, that, that's a phenomenon. <laughs> You know, people want to have a personalized approach to their care. And I think the most important relationship in a practice is between the doctor and the patient and everything else just gets in the way, to be honest with you. So yeah. if you can find a way to connect even, at, you know, a closer, you know, however you want to say that, um, in, in improve that relationship, I think that then those are the things that you're going to see when you become a digital practice. Obviously, there's on the back end so many other benefits in terms of yeah. your production, revenue, growth, you know, quality of life, you know, number of days you work, all that good stuff. But I think that if you do not change, you are going to go into a decline. And I already see practices doing that.
0: Well, Dr. Davis, thank you so much for talking with me today and sharing your experience with dental monitoring and also just, you know, what it means to have a digital practice today. So thank you so much for sharing your insight. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Alison. Appreciate it.
0: Great. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Medcore Podcast Network to keep up with the latest orthodontic products podcast episodes and visit orthodonticproductsonline.com to keep up with the latest orthodontic industry news. Until next time, take care.